Welcome to the Community Health Alliances podcast brought to you by Monarch Healthcare Management as a donation to Care Resource Connection. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Steve Coring, Fire Chief for the City of St. Louis Park. And I'm Amy Looked, the CEO of Care Resource Connection. I want to welcome our listeners back. Uh, today we're having a an interesting conversation, I think, that uh, is kind of on the edge of a lot of people's minds when we talk about what's happening inside of our skilled nursing or assisted living facilities, uh, and how do we how do we begin to think differently about how we serve these clients and and the relationship they have with uh, EMS response. So today we have Chris Turner. He's the regional director of business development for Monarch, and. Uh, Looking forward to this conversation, Chris. I think you bring tons of years of experience to this field, and I know Amy and I have a lot of uh, a lot of trust in your judgment and your kind of your feedback on this. So, welcome to the podcast, and tell us a little bit about the work you're doing. Thanks for having me, um, Chris Turner. Uh, worked with Monarch Healthcare Management for the last four years, um, and I am more community based driven as far as. Um, getting the word out about Monarch Healthcare Management and the services that we provide. And you're also a board member of the Care Resource Connection Group. Oh, yes. Board member. Thank you for having me as board member. Our partnership with Monarch is really kind of a, well, it's formed over time with our Community Health Alliance and some of the things that we that we did during the pandemic, some of the partnerships and the work that we did directly in the sites, partnering with staff and your sites. And so today, you know, when you think about the, the Community Health Alliance, which is a partnership between the fire department and care resource uh, and or in any community across greater Minnesota or here metro wide is how to, you know, this this discussion around how do we serve the patients inside of our these these facilities and then the 911 call, right? So when do we call 911? How do we act? When is it important to, as a facility, to, to kind of manage the patient inside of our walls of our organization? And how do you guys view the outreach to the 911 system? What does that look like? And, and are there things that the Alliance can do to help uh, move that messaging along or change that, that way of doing business? I would say um, training and education is always key um, because you have turnover, of course, um, and you have to train new nurses all the time. Um, what's appropriate when calling 911 uh, and working with leadership at the facilities um, too as well. So have a collaboration of the fire department, educating um the facility on what to do. And it just has to be a collaborative effort. Absolutely. And I think for us um, in the city of St. Louis Park, we've been able to create that roadmap during COVID, like Chief was saying, and then also to be able to expand on that prevention piece that we're having conversations now. We're going to Monarch Healthcare is going to help us create a TikTok yep. video on how to call 911. Um, this is a, a huge question, sometimes a pain point question when it comes to the fire departments as we're talking about this. And I always tell the fire departments and, and ask the fire chiefs, why are you responding to a nursing home calling for 911? 
when there's bedside care, there's nurses there, there's LPNs, there's CNAs, the nurses are communicating with the doctors. And really when they're calling 911, they're calling because their patient needs to be transported mm-hmm. because it's designed to be a bedside care situation. Yep. So um, can you just share with us, Chris, when the the staff is determining, yep, we need to call 911. What's happening behind the scenes that nobody really knows? Well, what's happening behind the scenes is the nurse has to assess the situation to, and they have to, of course, make that decision if it's going to be a immediate situation or if it's something that, you know, they can call the physician and kind of collaborate with the physician. Um, and then, of course, there, there's a support of nursing leadership as well. And so they collaborate to make sure, OK, so if a person has a fall, you know, and, and they had an injury to their head, like you do your assessments. And then if there is something critical that they think needs a 911 call, then that's when they'll make a 911 call. Or if somebody's having a stroke or a heart attack or, you know, any medical urgent need, they have to assess that situation first. And what is the expectation? I used to work in the nursing home. So um, what is the expectation of the staff when they're calling 911? Who are they expecting to come? Well, normally, well, historically, the fire department shows up first and then the paramedics come next. But who are the who who should be responding in that in that event? I would say medical personnel. I mean, it's if it's a medical situation. Correct. Like the ambulance should be showing up. Correct. And not the fire department. Correct. Now, if there is a certain situation where we need the fire department, if somebody had a fall or, if, you know, we need lift assist, then, yeah, I, I could see. Because right. col- that's been historically where you guys have depended on the fire department. I mean, truly yep. industry wide. Yep. And that is why we're having this difficult conversation um, about, OK, so why is that? What do we need to do to have these conversations in in the community? And we'll start with St. Louis Park. We're happy, more than happy to start and be uh, the leader in this for others. But when it comes to a lift assist, um, how how can we start working with staff and helping staff feel number one confident in lifting that person? talking with the site about do you have the appropriate equipment that you need to serve the people you have coming in Mm -hmm. and we know for monarch healthcare management many times you folks are the ones that are accepting the patients no one else is accepting Mm -hmm. so what are you going to do what's their alternative you open your doors and you allow these folks in Mm -hmm. knowing that as you are a partner of ours we want to be there we want to support what it is you're doing. We want to be your partner in the community. We want to be able to help understand from our end, from the your end, where can we start doing things differently? Where are the conversations? Where can we each look at each other and do that shift and have that thought, you know, change management shift and say, hmm, what can we be doing? That's what I'm thinking the TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can lead with just a quick little blurb and be oh look at this okay so see the fire department flash flash see the nurse calling flash flash you see this and but a lot of folks don't know that when the fire department comes and chief will be able to speak a little bit more to it um when they get the call and they arrive the expectation is someone's going to meet them at the door let them in if they're not already 
right? Mm -hmm. They're going to give them the paperwork that they need, the face sheet, all that good jazz. And they're going to bring them to the patient. Yeah. Now, since I've been here for the last however many years and throughout, you know, the, the metro here, um, I can say that in every single site across the metro, that's not happening on a consistent basis mm -hmm. because we know we're having staffing issues. We know that sometimes the staff is with the patient and they can't get there. Sometimes more than one thing's happening at the same time and they can't get there. Right. But that, that point of interaction shouldn't be a point of friction. Mm -hmm. And that's where I want to avoid. I want to avoid having to call Hennepin County Medical Center and say, Hey, what's going on over at, the estates of St. Louis Park because we have somebody that's not communicating with the, the folks there. And, you know, where, what's happening? Where's the breakdown in the communication? I'm happy to be that intermediary, but the fact that we have one entity, and this, this is just one example, it happens everywhere. Um, but we have a situation where somebody's coming outside, they're gonna go have a cigarette, they're calling 911, this is, you know, how this happens. They call 911, they get picked up, they go, no one at the stat, no one at the site knows. Now all of a sudden it becomes an elopement. Yeah. Like, whoa. So how can we we really need to have that internal communication? Right. So you have to look at it globally. Yep. Like you have to look at people out in the community. They're used to calling 911 if there's an emergent situation. You know, uh, or it, they could be at an assisted living and they think, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. I'm calling 911. You know, they don't have that oversight like a skilled nursing facility does. And then if you're at a skilled nursing facility, you know, the nurses are there to kind of assist with an emergent need if it's necessary. You have your nursing assistants that are kind of monitoring the situation. Um, I mean... It's just all about training and education. It is. And you got those residents that have their own cell phone. They're their own True. decision makers. True. So you can't say, can't call. True. Right? True. Um, and so it's interesting. I We're starting off into another city in Hopkins, bringing them on board um, with this grant we have with the Founda Park Nicollet Foundation. And um, we're working on a call where a gal is called 91 times. Yep. This is not new to us. Yep. This is not new to you. Yep. But... Um, when we talk about it on this podcast, I'm quite sure people on our listening are going, wait, what, what, uh, what's happening? Why is this person calling 91 times? Mm -hmm. Um, and so in, in situations like that, yes, I come in, we have a conversation. We look at the data that I bring the site and say, what can we do? This yeah. can't continue where can we have a conference, whatever. Um, and in some site, in some cities, the fire chiefs and, they've just put their hands up in the air and said, we're just not doing lift assists at all. We're just not going to do it. We'll just take it as info only. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll send this over to Steve, but I think that's something that we're the education side on the fire chiefs and where Steve talks about this and, and what our program does is critical on that end too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> this is uh and I, <clears throat> this is a national problem, right? So any conference uh, that I attend or listen or anything I kind of go 
and attend is it's it's this is an issue that's being talked about across the country for how we deal with the relationship with fire departments and and our senior uh, living facilities whether they're independent skilled nursing uh, or assisted living memory care whatever this is it's a it's an issue um before I go into the fire department's role, maybe one of the things I think is kind of one of the, that's driving some of this um, is that your profile, your resident profile has changed dramatically over in the past, I would say probably five to seven years, right? So yeah. it used to be that when people think about a skilled nursing facility, they they imagine, you know, their aging mother and father, you know, sitting in a room with, uh, you know, in a nice quiet room kind of watching television and, you know, a place for them to go and they get somebody around the clock taking care of them. Mm-hmm. But the patient profiles changed dramatically yes, in, those, in those facilities. And, and, and kind of to the point of some of our earlier podcasts, the people who are now residents within your facility are used to calling 911 as their healthcare, mm-hmm. right? They don't have a primary care physician. Right. They're likely using 911 before they got in as their, their system. Now they're in your building and what's changed? Nothing's changed. They think that 911 is their, is their healthcare yep. deal, right? Yep. So tell us a little bit about how that how the, the profiles changed for the people who are uh, living in your facilities? Well, over the last, I would say, decade or so, um, our residents that we serve are younger um, and have a lot more mental health issues, I would say. Um, Their um, healthcare is probably not in their realm or they couldn't afford it or they don't have it or you know, people are waiting longer to seek health care. Um, I mean, we're seeing um, homeless, more homeless people. Um, like I said, mental health. Um, and that's my point. So you, so Monarch has, has the courage to step up and then take this patient population in because if not you, then who, right? Yes. And then, um, and so... One of the things I want to, I do want to applaud Monarch for is the fact that you there's very few fire chiefs who are talking to their to their senior facilities in the way that we have conversations with you, mm-hmm. and I think that's travesty. They should be having those conversations, yeah. um, whether they're uncomfortable or not. And I think as fire as a fire department or a fire chief, I would say that you know the community risk reduction discussions that we have with our elected officials and within our community suggests that the fire department, probably the, one of the most trusted resources in the community um, needs to be at that table because of without the fire department at that table, then, then you're really not getting the perspective of everything that's happening with that patient, because we see things that you don't see. Mm-hmm. They share things with us that, they don't share with anybody else. Right. And because of that, if we have this collaborative behavior, it's likely we're going to learn some things about how to adapt. Now, I think where the struggle comes in to, I think you alluded to this earlier, was that how do you, like during the daytime hours, there's staffing looks different than how it looks in the overnight hours, yes. right? And so at two in the morning, what happens is different than two in the afternoon. Right. And I think that's where some of the discussion comes in around 
during two in the in the afternoon, there's we don't get called for stuff like that. And two in the two in the morning, we do because we only have one person on, and they're in the they're in the west wing, and we need them in the east wing, and yeah. nobody knows how to you know. So those it seems to me that those are the challenges. How do we how do we change the staffing model? I I think out of the pandemic, I argued that we should be instead of spending dollars on some of the things we spend money on, why aren't we directing to reimagine staffing in our skilled nursing and, and assisted living facilities so that that employees feel valued and want to to work in that industry, feel like they're valued in the industry so they're not jumping from place to place and leaving the career altogether. So where do you see that happening? I mean, the fire department can't be the the caregiver to all, right? So somebody's got to step up and and solve this problem. I, again, I think our partnership helps drive the conversation, at least helps us reimagine and use it as a model or a pilot to to think about how to read how to do it differently. We've done that on so many different fronts within um, within the space. Where do you think that? How do you think that could change? Do you think those are issues? The, how we how we pay our people, how we oh absolutely how we value, how we hire, how we train, absolutely. how we absolutely. So where do how does Monarch? I mean, I'm not going to put Monarch on the on on the, on the kind of the hot seat here, but where do where do you as the regional director of business development for Monarch? How do you talk about that? Well, it's it's a issue clearly, right? Um, and I think it 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 starts with you know getting these this generation that we're in right now talking to them getting them at a younger age because i started working in a nursing home at 16 years old so mm-hmm. i was in high school and so we have to start young and and kind of reimagine how healthcare is going to look like clearly it's changing and it's changed over the years um and you know we just have to ha- start having these conversations like these people, like the stages of life, you know, go through the stages of life. You know, people are aging. And then we have to get these kids engaged. It's like we're with the St. Louis Park High School. You know, we're working with the CNA program. You know, we're, we're trying to foster those relationships, build that up, hire these kids in high school, become nursing assistants. If they want to become nurses or if they want to be social workers, administrators, dietary aides, you know, that conversation is happening now. We provide tours to these high school kids so that they can kind of see it, feel it, and see if there's a connection there um, and kind of go that way. And then, of course, we have to continue to advocate for our seniors with the government, you know, have these conversations with the politicians and say, this, hey, this is what's happening here, you know, um, we have to have, we can't care for our loved ones at home because both, um, we have to have two income households, you know, because right. of the expense of things. So we have to look at the whole big picture here. Absolutely. Um, and I think too, Chris, it's it's important to, to have a partnership like we do here, where we know that 
Care Resource Connection built its care coordination process based off of the NFPA 1300 community risk reduction. That's how we were able to partner and build what we did with the fire department. Mm -hmm. There's also in chapter four of the ICC for the fire marshals to work with the sites on emergency preparedness. And that's more than just your fire, you know, normal stuff, tornado, weather, bad weather, power outage. There's... there's a space in there that we all talked about during COVID that includes staff training. Mm-hmm. That includes bringing the fire department in to some initiatives for your QAPI. That's why every site that I work with, I ask for what's your fall policy? What's your elopement policy? What's your CPR policy? Um, what's your 911 call policy? And I bring them back and we have conversations at the fire department about where are their gaps and are we really understanding this community partner that we have? Mm-hmm. Yes, you get the 911 calls. And yeah, if we get a call from the, the crews, I will call the administrator. We have that relationship back and forth that help each other. Um, but there are different things that sites and fire chiefs need to know that um, you being Monarch Healthcare Management, where you have many sites across the state, I want, I, my hope would be during throughout these conversations in other communities as we scale, that fire chiefs can reach out to Chief Coring and and talk about how they can have these conversations with their city councils if these ordinances are not already adopted. Um, Let's start talking about that because that allows us to start having deeper conversations as a community, as really putting forward how important this Community Health Alliance is and not always having to work in a 911 environment, but let's start working in a prevention environment and let's start changing that conversation and leading with the fire department in a different way than we're traditionally used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit, like I said, it's bigger picture. It's, it is, it is. Yeah, I think that, well, what I appreciate about Monarch uh, is that you aren't afraid to come to the table and have the conversation. So, so many, skilled nursing or senior facilities uh, aren't knocking down our door to help, you know, drive this discussion. So we appreciate the fact that Monarch is at the table. And I think it does create an interesting opportunity for us as we scale the project across the state, which we are starting to do to, to really have a, a framework to bring that discussion to the table for that fire chief to to know how to talk to or who to connect with and and uh, and I think that's where you could be of help to us is to say in each of these communities here's here's the maybe the two or three people we need to have at the table mm-hmm. here's who the fire you know and so I can tell the fire chief here's who you need to have at the table and we can start to then build some bridges of communication because mm-hmm. um, it's going to get they're going to be uncomfortable conversations and i think what what you what our relationship with monarch here can do is really help that monarch facility out state or in other locations besides st louis park to say i know it's going to seem uncomfortable but there's this works it's mm-hmm. a path it's a pathway right because i'd love to be able to hold up the program and say okay Stop saying it won't work. Stop saying it can't happen. Stop saying that there isn't a way to make it work. It does, it can, and it will. And here's the example right here, right? Um, so I think, yeah, I appreciate your willingness to come onto the podcast and and talk about this with Amy and I, because mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's kind of an interesting- uh, My um, pleasure. Yeah. 
and I, and I think too, that's where your, your position within the organization is critical because of business development. You're in many different communities yep. and to be able to evangelize what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And as you're having conversations with other community stakeholders, you can look to what we're doing at St. Louis Park and the chief and I are always happy to come in and, and speak to other groups or, or, you know, figure out different ways how we can bring that fire chief into those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that we're going to really start um, working on a little bit more strategically as, as the new year comes so we can scale this across the state. Cause there are a lot of communities that have um, re- they come together and come up with these resources for seniors and or people in need. Um, and so I'd be happy to have you come out and talk to some groups. Yeah, I think as you see, as you witness this, I think, you know, you've seen this firsthand that, yes, there are a number of cities, communities that have resources who talk about how they, how seniors are important to them and are seniors first. And really what they have are they have all these multiple silos of of good ideas that just never come to the table and talk about things right. in a collaborative way. And so um, if you have, if you meet with facilities and, and, the, and they want to have a discussion, have them reach back to me or to Amy and we can talk about how to connect with that fire chief. I can call that fire chief okay. um, and talk about how this would be the, an, an overture into a different, different way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it is solvable. It's not, it's not, and I think that, and there's a whole bunch of relationships that are coming out of our community health alliance that I think are going to make it easier for all of us to start to move this needle a little bit in a forward direction for our this most vulnerable population. So, um, yeah, thanks for being here today, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please tune in next Wednesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.